Howdy. See, now y'all supposed to understand this now. Y'all say howdy, you got to say howdy back. That gone. But, uh, no, it's great to be with y'all. It's amazing how fast a year flies and uh, how fast a uh, little bit of vacation you do have that uh, it moves on. But, you know, it's when these days kick off, it means football's here. And, uh, like I say, you get your heart beating a little faster and your mind going a little a little quicker and uh, looking forward to it. I'm very proud of our team and the things we were able to accomplish last year. So didn't do all the things we wanted to do, but we're learning, laying the foundation. That's what this is about, putting in the right culture and making sure we understand how we want to do things at Texas A&M. It has everything in place. Our players are doing a great job. Thought we had an outstanding spring and our offseason is going very well. And, you know, from that standpoint, the biggest thing I love about our offseason, I think, is our psychological disposition about how to go about things and the way our players are approaching it and how we don't have to make and correct a lot of things as coaches. Our players and our upperclassmen are doing a great job with the leadership and of the guys we have here today, Kellamon, Justin Matabuke, and Raiden Mann. Those guys will be some small examples of that, but there's a lot of that going on right now in creating the culture. And, this, and you know, in this league, you better, have, you better have culture and be able to win and expect to win because everybody has good players So uh, from that standpoint. But I'm very proud of it, of our team and the things we've been able to accomplish and where we've been so far and looking forward to this year. We've got a tremendous schedule, and uh, as I say, you always do in this league, and that's one of the things that makes this league what it is. Well, it's the best league in football, and uh, it's fun to get into and compete and, and do what we have to do. So we're looking forward to those challenges coming up. Thank you. All right, Coach, thank you. If you have a question, please raise your hand. We'll have Amanda Jordan or Sarah. We're going to start right in front of me on the second row. Hey, Coach. Jeffrey Winborn with the Daily Mountain Eagle. Um, Texas coach Tom Herman has expressed an interest in reviving the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry, uh, citing games like Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State. Mm -hmm. Is that something you likewise are interested in? Yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's beneficial to Texas A&M. I know we're scheduled out right now for 10 years, so if it's something that, that benefits Texas A&M, we would definitely be interested in that and you know, make those judgments as they come. Okay, Coach, we'll go on our right on the aisle, just straight ahead on the left, way in the back. Please stand. Please stand right back here. Sir, you've got the mic? Yeah, please stand. Uh, Cecil Hurt from the Tuscaloosa News. Hey. Hey, Jimbo. Um, hey. You play the teams that will likely be ranked in some order, one, two, three, <laughs> in the poll, uh, Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. If I were to refer to Texas A&M as a spoiler, would you consider that encouraging or condescending? Condescending. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we don't want to spoil anything. We want to take care of our own. And uh, they are great teams, and, but you know, we expect to play with them and compete with them and, and win those games. That's why we're here. And uh, you know, we don't expect, we're not looking to spoil anything. We're looking to win something and then to go handle our business and do the things we have to do. They are great programs, but Texas A&M can be the same way. And uh, you know, we have to go play and improve ourselves and do the things we have to do. But I think we're definitely on that track. Coach, we'll go back to the center section right here in front of us, second row. Drew DeArmond, WCCN Radio, Huntsville, Alabama coach. I know Travion Williams was a huge part of your success last year leading the SEC in rushing. Wherever you've been, you've always run the ball well. Give us an update on where your running game is and some guys maybe to watch out for in the fall. I think, first of all, it starts up front. Uh, I think our offensive line, we have uh, guys, we have five guys that have started multiple games over double-digit games that are coming back with a great group of young guys coming in. I think Jay Sean Corbin behind him, the young freshman last year, average over six yards a carry guy. He's a very talented guy. He can catch it. He can run with power, speed, agility. And again, Travion's a guy, I mean, you're talking about a guy who led the, who's third in the country, led the SEC in rushing over 1,700 yards. I mean, to say, you know, he's, you don't ever replace those guys, but that's a standard in which it's set. And I think Jay Sean is a hard worker. And I think behind that, uh, with Cabote as a tailback and 
and, and Prince and those guys. We have a great group of guys, Cordarian Richardson, Isaiah Spiller coming in. We like our backs and where we're at. And I also think Glenn Beal, like our tight end, is a very good blocker and our young tight ends are. So yeah, I believe you have to be physical in this league to be successful, and you have to run that football. So we'll continue to do it, and I feel very comfortable where we're at right now. Coach, we'll go over to our left, second row. Tom. Hey, Coach, Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Wanted to get your thoughts on one year of the transfer portal, what you thought, thought of how that, how that worked, and um, how, what role it plays in building your roster. And second, Nick Stark will transfer to Arkansas, and, you know, you're going to face him in conference, in division. Uh, your thoughts on him and, you know, what kind of player he is, what, what Arkansas is getting there. Well, first of all, Nick is an outstanding person. He's an outstanding player. He has great arm talent. He can throw what he thinks. He's had great success in this league, and Nick's one heck of a player, and he's going to be an extremely tough guy to go against. There's no doubt about that, and I have nothing but respect for him. He's a class, class young man. To say the transfer portal, I think the biggest thing that we're getting to, and, and it, whether you transfer, whether you're in a portal, you're transferring, however it goes, the thing about it is I think you got to get consistency on how you rule things and when guys are eligible and not eligible and all that. And I think that's the, that's the thing that we're all searching for. When we know what is the rule. Just like that, I think we've done a great job with the targeting rules now. I think they're extremely defined. So I think how you coach things, how you look at things, I think is great. And I think it's the same way with the transfer. The guys transfer all the time. There's, there's no... Dis disrespect or anything in transfers because guys' situations change and all that happens. But you have to have a set of rules for it, and I think that's what we're getting to, and I think it'll, be, it'll, it'll enhance it that much more. Coach, we're going to go down in front of me about five rows back. Gentry, yes, it's Louisville Courier-Journal. Coach, um, how do you feel like the now that you've been through it a couple of years, how the early signing period has changed how you go about recruiting, the, 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 cost, the cost of it, the time, and has it been a good thing for the sport? I mean, I think it is from a standpoint of, um, you know, you can get that done. Having that done after coming after a bowl game and going back and not knowing you have to go sign your whole class and having most of that done. Now, once you get to that point after a bowl game and after January, it's great. Before that, it's tough as heck. Those two or three weeks, and especially when you come in the first year of it, I'm a new coach coming in with three weeks to try to scratch and claw and get a class together and get them to know me. That's tough, but I do think it's a good thing. Uh, I will say recruiting now with the visits in the spring, you know, of April, May, and June, man, it's made it it's tough on a coach right now. The time and spent when every weekend is a recruiting weekend and what's going on and you're out there spring recruiting and you're coming home for visits, it's the assistant coaches the thing. I mean, they, they take a pounding now. It's really tough, but it is, it's here to stay. I don't think it's ever going back. I like it. I, I think it's something that is that was needed, but it's a very tough, it's a very tough time and it's strenuous. There's no doubt about it. Coach, we'll go over on the left section. Uh, Mike, all the way in the back. Mike Bianchi, Orlando Sentinel. Hey, Coach, Mike. how are you doing? Good, Mike. How are you, buddy? Coach, you won so many games at Florida State. You won a national title. Does it bother you or, or, or hurt you that in that recent Bleacher Report article that FSU's administration's blaming you for some of the That's woes? And in this business, you learn to... You have tough skin. You know that you know the circumstances of everything that happens and how it happens, and that's part of this business. People are going to say and write things, and you know that you know what goes on, and you you move on. Listen, I had nothing but respect for my time at Florida State. It's a phenomenal place, and those players and kids and everyone that was there, and I had a great time. We had great success, and I wish them nothing but the best. And you know, you move on about your business, and you go on, and, and they'll be very successful. I know that's a great program. Okay, we'll go back uh, to the back of the center section. Hey, Jimbo, Brooks Cabina from The Advocate. Um, you know, how much was the LSU win last year for you guys Sets your program ahead for this season? And do you feel like there's a rivalry kind of butting with you with you know, Scott Woodward coming over and, you know, between y'all's two border states and recruiting and all that at this point? 
Yeah, if I can get Scott coaching and not ADing, that'd be better. <laughs> No, but no, it is. I think that, and that used to be a rivalry, and I think it is. I mean, we're so close, and I mean, you had one of the epic games in college football history. It, it was uh, it was very unique, and I think it will butt into rivalry. And rivalries come when both teams are good. And I think, you know, I think we're building our program to be good. LSU's established itself as a great program, and I think that's how rivalries are, are made. I mean, just like now everybody talks about the LSU-Alabama rivalry. Well, that wasn't a rivalry when we first went to LSU years ago. And then it evolved, and Alabama come back, and that's how you had two good programs that evolved into that. And I think that's what's happening here. LSU is established. We're establishing ourselves as a great program. And, you know, and the more rivalries and the more emotions you have in college football, I think that's what makes it such a great game. And, uh, you know, it'll be very tough, and, you know, they're always a great opponent. So it's, it's, it's going to make it fun and, and where we're going forward. But, yes, to answer your question, I think it was huge for our team to be able to get through that. I think after the second half of the Ole Miss game in the UAB, and I think the way we finished, I think that was very big for our program and, and helped us establish. And I think it helped us, our kids and players, to understand the way we practice, the way we prepare, the way we have the offseason, how those things all come into play in games of that significance, no doubt. Coach, we'll go over to our left, second row, Bob. Yes, sir. Uh, hey. Hey, Jimbo, Bob Holt, Arkansas Democrat. I had a two-part question. Um, I think uh, Nick Saban's former assistants are 0-16 against him. I've never him. heard that. Um, it's been seven I've, never, I've guys. never, ever heard that before. Yeah. Um, it's 0-something, <laughs> and he doesn't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down, even though I think he's 67. Um, do you think eventually one of you guys or more is going to beat him? What, what's it going to take? And, and the second question, Kevin will probably help you remember this. Um, with the seven OTs, you know, the NCAA changed the rule that after four, you got to start going for two. You don't go to the 25. What, what do you think about that rule change? I mean, I, from that rule change part of it, I think it's very good. I mean, but, you know, you're changing the rule for something that happens what, 3% of the time or 4% of the time that it's ever happened. But at the same time, I understand why they did it for player safety, that if that was to happen to be in the middle of the season, you have to come back the very next week and prepare. That has a huge effect on, on how you have to prepare and, and, and the amount of playing that your kids did that week going into the next week and all that. I, I get that and I understand it. The good thing about that, we'll always have the longest game, the highest scoring game, and everything's good. So we'll get to keep the record. But uh, as far as Nick goes, I mean, yeah, what's, what it's going to take? It's going to take 60 minutes of football. Listen, now we well know Alabama's established itself as a great program. Nick is a great coach. <clears throat> what it's going to take is 60 minutes of great football. You have to line up and play. And more importantly, you have to expect to win the game. Don't hope to win it. You got to expect to win. You got to win the game prepared, knowing you, that you can win it and play it and perform and execute. Don't worry about winning the game before you win it. You got to play it, and I think that's the key. Don't worry about winning it. Worry about playing well in the game, performing, making the plays when you have to, and then you'll get the results you want. But you know, they've established themselves and they deserve it. And uh, but you know we'll see in time. Coach, we'll go to the right section near aisle, third row. Peter Baugh, I cover Mizzou for the Athletic. Mm -hmm. um, Kelly Bryant last year uh, played against you guys. What did that game in College Station show about him? I mean, I, th I think, first of all, the kind of team player he is because he was a starter the year before, and then they were subbing back and forth with him and Trevor Lawrence, and then he came back in the game and played very well and, and made the plays and the drives in which they were able to, to win that football game. But I think it shows his team morale and camaraderie and, and the kind of guy he was and, and also the winner he was. He, he's a heck of a player, and I think he'll do very well for Mizzou, that's for sure. Okay, we'll go to the center section uh, over here on the left side in the back. And Jimbo Brooks again from The Advocate. Mm -hmm. um, how do you and your assistant coaches approach 
the NCAA transfer portal just as far as building a roster management? Do you guys take a look at it and look through things? or how? Yeah, how we have people that? who manage it and see who's in it and what's going on. If people contact us or somebody, we'd be in. You know, you know I don't, to say you don't ever take them, you do take them. Uh, don't don't want to build your program from them because you can't you can't do it that way. You have to build your program from what you recruit and how you develop guys. But there's a guy out there and he makes contact and and nowadays that's just part that's part of the process you're going about. I mean, transferring is it's like free agency. I mean that's what that's kind of what's coming out. If there's a guy out there that you think can help you and provide a need. It's big, but you know uh, that's part of it. You have to manage that part of it and you don't expect it. But it's something you have to always be aware of and plan for if you see those guys come available, how you recruit and do other things. Okay, we'll stay in the center section, this time on the right aisle in the back of the room. Yes, sir. Conor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Coach, Mike Elko was somebody who was pursued by a variety of people, and, you know, you're probably going to have to deal with this on a yearly basis. How big a part is he of what you're trying to build, and how difficult is that task to keep him on board? I don't think the task to keep him on board is, very, is that tough because I think – you look at A&M and what we have and what we're building and the players we have coming, and he knows what the future of this program is going to be, and Mike wants to do that for sure. And he's a big part of it because, listen, Mike's one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. This guy does a great job. He knows how to play the run, pass, do all the different things. Our kids love him. He's a hard worker. Philosophically, he and I believe a lot of the same things And uh, when we were going in, and now we've adapted that to how we want to do things and how I want things done. And he is a total team guy, and he gets it. And I think he's a tremendous coach and has a tremendous future in this business. Coach, we'll go all the way back left near the banner in the back. Uh, Coach, what do you remember about Jake Bentley, seeing him last season at South Carolina, and uh, also just your scouting report on Will Muschamp as a basketball player? You, oh, you said Jake Bentley? Yes. Uh, Jake was a heck of a player. had great arm talent. I knew Jake as, as a youngster uh, in, in high school. I mean, he can throw it. And being a coach's son, he knows the game. He's tough. He can make all the throws. He stands in the pocket. I mean, he's a guy that I think will play on Sundays. I think the guy's a heck of a player. I really do. Uh, Muschamp is a basketball player. So he accused me and Nick of cheating all the time, that we were always on the team. So, but uh, I, I remember one time we, we did kind of take Will in the wall, mess his ankle up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> we did. That was the end. Those games got very physical, that's for sure. Nick was always on the other side. Nick, It was Nick and myself and then whoever. We got whoever with us and then played against those guys. But uh, he, was, he was a good athlete. Nick was, a, I mean, uh, Will was a good athlete. He really was. All right, we'll go down here on the left side again. But we were undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Over here, Bob. Uh, hey, Jim, uh, Bob Bolt, Arkansas Democrat Gazette again. Hey, there could be up to, I think, five grad transfers be starting SEC quarterbacks this season. Do you see that trend continuing? Do you see especially white quarterbacks transfer when they lose their starting job? And could you envision yourself having a grad transfer, you know, starting quarterback I think someday? that position of all the things – uh, you have to manage that position differently because it's the one position where basically one guy plays. And I think that's just a trend when quarterbacks or they get a backlog or they see someone that wins a job, they're going to transfer. And I think that's part of I think that will always be the game going forward. I truly do. And uh, that's just going to be part of it. And, and I can understand why a guy does that. If he loses his job and he's going forward and he, he's got – one or two years to play. I mean, I get it. I mean, it's not the way it used to be, but that's the way it is, and that's part of it. And you got to manage that part of it going forward, in my opinion, and always be aware of that. And that's why I think you, you're constantly recruiting quarterbacks because you don't ever know how many of those guys are going to leave. Coach, we'll go over along our right side, second row. 
Uh, hey, Coach Bruce Marshall at Sports Byline. Uh, quick question. You've uh, spent a lot of your career in the SEC, mm-hmm. and you spent a decade in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Uh, differences between the leagues, speed of the game, tougher? What are your comparisons? I think both leagues are outstanding. I mean, we had great success when I was at Florida State. I mean, we were in the top five or ten almost every year and won the national championship, played for, played for more of them. Uh, uh, the SEC, I think, from top to bottom, and, I, and I've always said this, I think the, it's just a everybody has good players. I mean, if from top, not that they don't over there, but it just the, the statement it means more. I think it does. I think these schools take football extremely seriously. It's the number one sport in this league, and almost every school in this league is the number one sport, and it's it's very very important. But the ACC has great ball. I've always said that it, it competed well. But I mean, from top to bottom, I don't think there's any doubt the SEC is a, a more thorough comp. Look at the draft picks. When you said we set a record last year with 64 draft picks. I think the next to it was 40 with the Big Ten, and you got into 29, 26, and 22 in the other three leagues. I mean, three times the number of players. And the atmospheres, environments, the home stadiums, the number of people at games, the coverage. I mean, it's just, you know, you're under, you're under a microscope here, and it's the best of the best. The coach will go over here to our left on the aisle on the third row. Coach Austin Price, SmallQuest.com. Jay Graham has been on your staff for a number of years. Do you see him, you know, kind of getting – Kind of escalating and up your. Oh no doubt, he's actually our co-offensive coordinator right now. Okay. We've had he's at co and he's listen. Jay's had a, done a tremendous job recruiting, coaching with our running backs and in the situation, the back, the number of backs we had at Florida State and what he's done with those guys. And himself being a great player, he's developed great players. And he has a great mind for the game. It's just not in the backfield. He understands the big picture of the game and how to throw it, how to protect it, how to do everything. And I think you know eventually he'll he'll move up as coordinators and eventually one day be a head coach. Uh, right section near aisle, third row. Sorry to bounce back to the transfer conversation, all right. but I was wondering, did your experience transferring in college influence kind of how you think about the topic at all? Uh, I'm not going to say it didn't. I, I think each situation is unique, but probably so. I mean, I think it does. I mean, you know, it, it, there's, there's, when you're 18 to 22, think of how many different things your mind changes on and situations occur, things occur. But it's like my father always told me, if you're changing or you're leaving, tell me why. Give me a good reason, not because I feel like it. And two, what's the plan in the other end? See, that, that, the thing that scares me about all the things that's going on now, that I don't think a lot of guys always plan the other end of it out. You know what I mean? And have, a, have an idea of where they're going. I think if they do it for why am I going, is there a legit reason for leaving, and what's the plan of where I'm going, I think, I think you got to, and I do it with our players. I said, okay, if you're leaving, I get it. Tell me why you're leaving. Now, now tell me what you want to do and what you're trying to accomplish. And if they can't do that, I say, I'll let, why don't you go back and think about it? You know what I'm saying? Because I think as coaches, you've got to help them make those decisions. We don't, and, we, and there's guys that you want to talk and, you know, you try to get them to stay. And the other guys, you say, you know, I can see your point. You're, you're going to have a tougher time playing. And, you know, there may be something, if that's what you want to do, you can. But I try to at least make them say that to me because I want them, because they can get lost out there really quick. Because, you know, there were more guys in the transfer portal than there were available scholarships. So, you know, you got to be honest with those guys. So trying to help them do it, I think, is part of our role as a coach and as coaches that is, is very critical in that whole process. Hey, we'll go to the very back of the center section. Hey, Jimbo Brooks again from The Advocate. Uh, Steve Shaw this morning directly referenced the LSU-Texas A&M game seven overtimes as something that changed the rule there. Whenever that game ended, did you leave that thinking this is a game that rules are going to be made off of now? It didn't shock me. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know if the rule was. I just figured out I know one thing. I'd I make sure I'll have a lot of two-point plays from now on. But uh, 
But I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't the first thought. It really wasn't. But as it come back, it came up pretty quickly the next day and people were saying it. And I got to thinking about it. And I said, yeah, I guess it does make sense. But, you know, it was, uh, that was the game that did it. That's for sure. We'll go over the right section on the right aisle near the wall. Clint Dumming with 103.7 The Game. And you talked about earlier about the fact you have players constantly under 24-7 scrutiny. When you just look at the student-athlete aspect of it, especially with mental health, like Greg Sinke was talking about on Monday, how much do you all handle that like on a regular basis? Consistently, every day. I've always been a part of that. I learned it a long time ago. And we have sports psychologists, regular psychologists. I mean, we have everything in place. We have condition, We have coaches that people come in and learn it, organize how to structure, how to, de we, to deal with everything possible. And that is a huge part of our financial budget and uh, I think that's a big part of programs. I think those are the kind of programs in place that people who don't have res resources really struggle and I think it hurts college kids and I think that's a that's always been a huge part of my uh, development of players is a psychological development how they handle pressures deal with issues deal with all that stuff different people to talk to you know from pastors to sports psychologists psychologists all that stuff it is the biggest problem going i said this 10 years ago in a meeting one time the acc and people said well they kind of laughed and i said listen guys mental health is a huge part of what's going on right now and you're 18 to 22 years old the kids the things they're facing is a hundred times greater than we ever did when we were coming up because of all y'all and the social media and the ability, accessibility, expectations. It's crazy what these kids go through. And it's a shame sometimes. And my big thing on it, where do they ever get a break? Where does a kid now ever get to be a kid? Where is he allowed to make a mistake without somebody wanting to kick him out, throw him out, or whatever? I mean, these guys are under pressure. This Where do they ever get to unwind? It's hard. And you got to create things within your program and team events and things for those guys just to have fun and quit worrying about competing. And uh, what, what the world, what Twitter... The 10,000 followers they got, which they worry about what they think about them more than their mom, dad, and coach. It's crazy. So it's a big part of what we do. Okay, we'll go up front here and right in front of us, Coach. John Prairie, CBS Sports Radio, St. Augustine. Uh, coach, wanted to ask you about Kellen Mond, mm -hmm. one of the players you brought over here, year two of your offense. Is there extra stuff you're going to put on his plate this year? How much more comfortable do you think he will be in your offense and how much more, I guess, innovations will be in it? Well, I think it is, but I also, you talk about innovation, we talk about plays, but also it's decisions within a play. There's a lot of things within a play that are, that are accessible that guys aren't ready for. You know, you give them the basic one, two read. But if there's certain looks, can you run that same play and the look on the backside is better than what it is on the front side? Uh, giving him availability to have the five available receivers being able to go to him at any time or a check that can get us in a run or get us in the right look or he sees a certain blitz to take a shot. But also, like I said, you call the play and you know it's one or two. But now if you do get these matchups, you may get one, two, three, or four. And expanding, you know, it's just like I say, you take algebra one, algebra doesn't change, but algebra two just gets more complicated. You know what I'm saying? You just keep adding the, the, the more to the formula as you go. And I think that's where he's getting to. And I'll tell you what, he's been really fun to where he, he understands that he has to be a student of the game. And that's thing that's the most fun we have because he understands how to not he works his tail off. Nobody works any harder, but he also works on the film room too. And that's that's where the kind and you know from the conversations you have with him, the questions he asked you, and it's, it's starting to really be fun. And, and he's being able to use all the resources around him. All right, we'll take one final question over here from Bob on the second row. Hey, hey Jimbo. Um, yes, sir. 
you know, a little history. Arkansas played two seven overtime games in, in 2003. They had a 7-0-T game at Kentucky, and they played a Thursday night that following week and beat South Carolina. And back in 2001, they had Ole Miss, and they beat UCF the next week. Houston had both of those, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. How, um, you know, knowing what you went through, if you guys, you guys obviously didn't have to play till the bowl. How impressive was that to you that Arkansas was able that's to win? Extremely impressive. Especially five days later. Well, I think it's that's impressive by the players, and I think it's impressive by your coach because managing in that and how to get them ready without wearing them out is a big part of that too, and how he probably practiced and probably made some changes or adjustments during that time. That that would be a very tough thing to do. All right, thank you, Coach Fisher. Thank you. All.